Hope everybody's doing well. Well fed, at least, I guess, right? Um, <clears throat> so it's been a, a, a good week for the Hurchin family. Hope it's been a good week for you. And, um, you know, all this week we've been celebrating Thanksgiving, and perhaps anybody still has some Thanksgivings to do on your calendar? Okay, we're done. We're moving on with that. Okay. Um, so uh, anybody gathered around multiple tables this weekend? Anybody awake? Okay, multiple tables. Multiple tables. Yeah, multiple tables. So, you know, we had the Hurchin family Christmas. We had the Helms family Christmas and uh, multiple tables, eating turkey once, twice, and three times nice. And, you know, just gathering around with family and friends and just the delicacies of turkey. Anybody have any favorites when it comes to Thanksgiving meals? Like the one thing you... All right, so you probably did that all to yourself. (laughs) Anything that's got to be at the table? Fried turkey, all right. Sweet potato casserole. Did I hear dumplings? Deviled eggs, okay. He's like, dumplings, I haven't had dumplings. Diet Coke has to be there for Jason at least, that's correct. Mashed potatoes with gravy? Or corn, okay. So back when I was in youth ministry, we had a boy, and uh, his name was Brandon. <laughs> we were going to a Christian music festival in Kentucky called Ictus. And as we're driving, he said, oh, let's go to KFC because I wanted a salad. Brandon was a very healthy child. Um, let's just put it that way. And so I looked at him. I said, what do you mean a salad? He goes, you know those bowls where they have chicken and mashed potatoes and corn and gravy on? I want a salad. And I was like, oh. All right, so um, anybody, you got to have veggies at Thanksgiving? Yeah, dessert, of course, right? You got to just go over the top and make yourself feel overwhelmed. And, um, you know, we, we know that Thanksgiving is not a time to practice self-indulgence. And um, I imagine some of us are still feeling all the food we just ate. Maybe the turkey amino acids are still building up in us. And so we need some help maybe staying awake this morning. And I hope as we go through God's Word uh, that awakens our soul and prepares us for this next season as Christmas. Uh, I found out that, um, I don't know if you know this, but the average American at one Thanksgiving meal will eat anywhere from 3,000 to 4,000 calories. Does that sound about right? Yeah. (laughs) You know, we go and we did a big old plate and then we go back for seconds. So perhaps it's not really the turkey that knocks us out. Maybe it's that preparation for hibernation that we get into with all the carb loading and things like that. But, you know, one thing some people like about Thanksgiving is that eating to the point where you go and you fall in the recliner or the couch and you just kind of nap out to whatever football game or whatever Hallmark movie is on TV and you just kind of just zone out for a little bit. But we know Thanksgiving's not about that as well. It's not about getting that nap. Um, it's not about watching whatever football game is on. It's about giving thanks, right? And so that's what we're going to be focusing on once again this morning is giving thanks. And luckily for us, the Bible has a lot to say about giving thanks and why we should give thanks and instructing us to give thanks. And so we're going to be, as you can see behind me, in Psalm chapter 118, if you want to make your way there in your Bibles or the app or whatever you're uh, using this morning to be in God's Word. As you do go there, uh, just a little background about this psalm. It is a part of a cluster of psalms known as the Egyptian Hallel. Hallel is H-A-L-L-E-L. And it begins in Psalm 113 and runs through Psalm 118. Now, the Egyptian Hallel for a Jewish 
individual. It was a custom and tradition for them on the last night of Passover that they would sing the Egyptian Hillel. And so the way that helps us is if we went into the Gospels and we read on the up, in the upper room, we would see in the Gospel of Matthew and also in the Gospel of Mark that Jesus and disciples, after they partook of the bread and, and the wine and, and did the Lord's Supper and they prayed together, they, we're told they sung a hymn. That's Matthew 26 and Mark chapter 14. And since we know that Jesus and his disciples were Jewish individuals, we then therefore can know that they sang the Egyptian Hallel, which is from Psalm 113 to Psalm 118. Now, it was called the Egyptian Hallel because, and they celebrated Passover because it was a reminder of when God came and redeemed his people from slavery in Egypt. If you remember the story from the book of Exodus, when God put the blood over, the, or the Israelites put the blood of the lamb over the doorposts, the Spirit of the Lord would pass over them, hence the name the Passover festival, and then, then God would bring them out. Hallel means praise. And so when we say a word, the word hallelujah, what we're actually saying is praise the Lord. So it's a combination of the name praise and the name of the Lord. Well, let's read our passage, and then we're going to walk through this and why we should continue to give thanks and what thanks actually does for our life and for the life of others. So the word of the Lord says, beginning in verse 1, Oh, just like we just sang in that song, Oh, 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 that's right, that's biblical right there. See? Oh. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let Aaron, the house of Aaron, say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let all those who fear the Lord say, his steadfast love endures forever. Out of my distress, I called on the Lord, and the Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All nations surround me. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me, surrounded me on every side. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me like bees. They went out like a fire among thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I was pushed hard so that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord, and the righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And this is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, and I will extol you. 
Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you because you are good. You are loving and kind and merciful and faithful. Lord, even in the times where we are unfaithful, you still remain faithful to us. You are holy and righteous. You are our Father, and we are the sheep of your pasture. So, Lord, in this time, be our shepherd and guide and lead us. Walk us through your word. Let your spirit speak to us. Let your spirit do what only your spirit can do, not by man's power or man's authority, but only by your power and your authority. Have your way with us. Transform us. Father, we praise you that you know our hearts, you know our struggles, you know our praises. And you meet us where we are and draw us into your presence, into the throne of grace, that we might find mercy and obtain grace in our time of need. I know many of us here are probably worn out or tired and our minds are already on the next week. But Lord, let us remain here and be still here in your presence that we may hear your voice, not a pastor's voice, but your voice speaking over us, that we may have a thankful heart and give thanks to you, for you are good. Forgive us if we failed you in any way in our time of worship. If we have not worshipped in the way that you have been seeking after in spirit and truth. But Lord, let us now seek after your righteousness and your kingdom. Let your will be done in our lives. And pray us all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So our psalm, Psalm 118, begins with a call to thanks. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Why? For He's good. This isn't a command here. It's not saying you have to give thanks to the Lord. It's not commanding us to do something. Rather, it's a call leading us into a proclamation of praise to give thanks as we enter into the house, into the temple, into the very presence of God. Similar call is given in Psalm 100, verse 4. It says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. In Psalm 118, beginning in verse 2, it's a call to, for the people of Israel to come give thanks to the Lord. Let Israel say, this is all of God's people under the Abrahamic covenant. In verse 3, it's the call to the house of Aaron. This is the priesthood. This is the individuals who, who knew the word of God, studied the word of God, and taught the word of God to God's people. These are the, the people who gave the sacrifices so God's people could remain right with him. And then verse 4, those who fear the Lord. This is reemphasizing all of God's people, all of God's children should cry out in thanks and praise. Why? Because his steadfast love endures forever. As we saw in the book of Isaiah last week as we were focusing on thanks, this call, even though it was mentioned to Israel and Aaron and those who fear the Lord, is applicable to us today because now we stand under the new covenant of Jesus Christ. We are now God's covenantal people. If our faith is in Christ and Christ alone for our salvation, we are now Israel, God's people under the new covenant. We are now the royal priesthood, according to Peter, which represents Aaron. We are now the people to fear, which means to have reverence and awe towards God. The word steadfast, which is given in verse 1, 2, 3, 4, in the very last verse of this chapter, is to speak of God's mercy. It speaks of His faithfulness and His loving kindness towards us. And it says that it endures forever. It's to remind us as God's people that God's faithfulness, His love, His steadfast love, it never quits. God's love for us never runs out. 
It will never run dry. It is everlasting. But if you notice, when we look through this psalm and read through it, we see that this calling to give thanks isn't because everything in life is going well. The call to give thanks isn't because everything in life is peaceful. Verse 5, he says that out of my distress, I called upon the Lord. This, the psalmist, the writer of this, is in the pit of anguish. It tells us that the call to give thanks rises from a place of being bombarded and overwhelmed. In verse 18, it says that the Lord has disciplined me severely. It's the call to give thanks that when things aren't feeling pleasant and they aren't feeling well in our soul and our heart. Jumping back to verse 10, all the nations surround me. He's speaking of his enemies in this moment. He's feeling overwhelmed and bombarded by life, yet he's calling us to give thanks. In verse 25, he says, Save us, we pray, O Lord. He's crying out for salvation, for God to act on his behalf. This call to give thanks comes from a place where we're at the very end of our rope. See, being thankful and praising God isn't based upon our circumstances. It isn't based upon our worries. It's based upon who God is. God is a loving God, and he is good. No matter what is going on in our life, that will never change about God, because our God does not change. He is love, and he is good. To praise God and give thanks, do his name, doesn't mean all things in life are going to be peachy. There is a reason to give thanks to God in the good times and the bad times. And this psalm draws us to that. We give thanks to remind and to refocus us on the promises and the goodness of God. This thankfulness, this praise, and this worship of God is when we go through the valleys. And it's when we're on the mountaintops. You see, our circumstances should never dictate our thankfulness for who God is. Our situations should never control our worship. In the good times and the bad times, the psalm reminds us that God is good because his steadfast love endures forever. Yet in, even in the midst of these circumstances, as we walk through this psalm, five times in the psalm alone, the word thanks is used. Six times if we use the word praise or rejoice, which is the meaning of giving thanks. Look in verse 1, oh, give thanks to the Lord. For he is good, his steadfast love endures forever. Jumping to verse 18, open to me the gates of righteousness. Why? That I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. Verse 21, I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. Verse 24, this is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice or give thanks and be glad in it. Verse 28 and 29, you are my God. I will give thanks to you. You are my God. I will extol you. That means to praise, to lift up. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Why? For he is good. And his steadfast love endures forever. You might have noticed this psalm is actually bookended with the exact same Phrase, oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. It's just a nice little instruction for us that our life should begin and end with thanks to God and praise to God. And our day should begin and end with thanks to God and praise to God. If you were here last week, Isaiah reminded me of several songs that I grew up known as hymns in the church. And this psalm does the same thing. When upon life's billow you are tempted, tossed. When you are discouraged, thinking all is lost. 
Count your many blessings and name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. You may know the chorus. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your blessings. See what God hath done. Count your blessings. Here comes the part. Name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God hath done. Are we blessed? Man, we are blessed. Sometimes in the midst of hard times and difficult times and things that we don't understand and things we're overwhelmed with worries, we can forget that how blessed we are. As God's people in the midst of the storms and in the midst of the sunshine, we need to stop and just be still and count our blessings. Many of us this last week, we admit we probably ate an overabundance of food. To the point you're like, ugh, even sweatpants are tight right now, right? But we don't need to go far into our community to know that there are people that haven't had very much food at all since school got out. There's some kids in our community that haven't had anything to eat. Here in a little while, we're all going to head home. We're going to have a heated house. We're going to be able to sit down and relax where there's people within our own community who've had their heat shut off because they can't afford it or they got it shut down so low because they're afraid of the upcoming bill. Many of us have clean clothes. I'm assuming you're wearing clean clothes today. We'll just assume we all are. Whereas there's people in our community who don't. We have beds to sleep in. We have coats and jackets, multiples, right? We have shoes and multiples of those. We have cars. We have cars to back up the car in case one of the car breaks down. It may become inconvenient, but we can still get around to where we need to be. I think we need to be reminded how blessed we actually are because life isn't always going to be easy. And sometimes I forget about that. I get overwhelmed or I get frustrated because things aren't going the way I planned But here's the thing this psalm brings out. We don't praise God because he has been good to us or he has blessed us. We praise God because he is good, period. So life may not be going good, but God is good, and he has us. We are loved by him. The psalmist also tells us we give thanks because our God is personal. He is good because he is personal. This is the beauty of our God and our fathers, that we are not a face in the crowd. Our God, and he never looks at us and says, hey, you. He never forgets our name. He never forgets what we're going through. He never forgets what we have gone through. Listen to the psalm, uh, verse 6. It says, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. Verse 7, the Lord is on my side as my helper. Verse 13, I was pushed hard so that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. Verse 14, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Verse 21, I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. I think it's something that I know I forget. I'm assuming we all forget at times that we go through hardships and tribulations and trials. We deal with heartache. Our God is invested in us. We don't have to look any further than Jesus Christ to see how heavily our God's love is invested in us. Which means when we go through trials, guess what? God knows it. And the promise is God is there. When we go through hardship, God knows the hardship and God is there. When we deal with heartache, God knows that and he is there. Our God is ever present in our life. Thank you, Lord. 
When we can rest assured in this, when we give thanks for this, we give thanks because what Jesus promised us in the Gospel of Matthew, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Our God is personal and he is invested in our lives, so we give thanks to him. Nothing we go through is out of the sight of God and out of his knowledge. That can also be a scary thought, too. That means God knows that sin we didn't want anyone else to know about. God knows that thought, even if we didn't verbalize it. But it's also uplifting. Because no matter what we go through in life, God will never leave us. So we never have to go through anything in this life again alone. This is what verse 6 is capturing. He says, the Lord is on my side. The phrase is to say, the Lord is with me. Not only is he with me, but the Lord is for me. That's why the psalmist says with confidence, I will not fear. Because I know God has this. We don't have to fear people. We don't have to people, fear people who appear to have power or persuasion over others. We don't even have to fear the enemy, Satan, because he has been conquered. He has been vanquished, and now we stand in the victory that Jesus Christ has given us. We don't have to fear war or death. Why? Because verse 7 says, The Lord is on my side as my helper. That word helper in the Hebrew means champion. God is our champion. Now, to be a champion, that means you had to defeat something, right? You don't just become a champion. There had to have been a battle. There had to have been something to be fought for. It means it's speaking and pointing for us to Jesus Christ. Through his death and his resurrection, the enemy was defeated. Sin was defeated. Death was defeated. God is our champion. He is our conqueror. And if he can conquer those things, then we can rest assured that he can handle all the little things in our life. Verse 18 speaks of the gates of righteousness. That phrase is referring to the door, the curtain that would go into the temple or the tabernacle, depending on what time this psalm was written. It was a place for the Jewish people they knew as the Holy of Holies, where the presence of God dwelled. The Jewish people understood that only the high priest, cast by lot on the Day of Atonement, was allowed to enter through the curtain to offer the sacrifices for the people. Yet the psalmist is saying, because of the goodness and the greatness of God, in confidence, he wants to draw near to God's holy presence. Now as a Jew, this is something they knew they could not do. This was only given to the high priest, cast by law, to be able to go into the Holy of Holies. But now, under the new covenant found in Jesus Christ, if you're here this morning, your faith is in Christ alone. You're covered by the blood of his righteousness. You are forgiven and given eternal life. We have the promise to enter into the presence of God, just as the psalmist here wanted to. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne room of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. This speaks of the personal nature of God allowing us to come into his presence, have this intimate relationship with him, but also speaks that he's able to sympathize The word sympathize means he's not just a God who understands or is aware of things, but he is a God who goes through things with us emotionally, physically, and mentally. 
God is completely invested in our lives. Now through Jesus Christ, according to Hebrews and the word of God, we have confidence as the psalmist wanted to, to enter into the gates of righteousness. The word confidence from the book of Hebrews in the Greek means that we can now have this boldness and courage to come before the holy of holies. And it's not because of who we are. It's not because of what we've even done. It's all because of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for us. And so when we place our faith in him, we enter into these gates of righteousness. And so we are to give thanks because we have access to God. When we pray, when we gather together as believers to form the church, when we worship, we are worshiping in the midst of the holy of holies, in the presence of he who is holy. And here's the great thing. We don't have to put it on our calendars. We don't have to schedule an appointment with God. Hey, why don't we meet up at 3 o'clock? As God's children, God tells us in his word, by his voice, we now have complete access to him through his word, by the power of the Holy Spirit, into his presence at any time during the day and any time during the week. I'm so thankful for this psalm because this writer is in the midst of pain. Life wasn't flowers and butterflies and lollipops and rainbows. Because, you know, life isn't perfect. Life's not smooth. Life doesn't always go the way we have it scheduled out. Yet the psalmist turns his focus on what the Lord has done in his life and what the Lord is continuing to do in his life. Through all the trials and all the tribulations, what's come in this world and is coming at whoever wrote this psalm, as he focuses his heart and his attention on the Lord, they all seem to fade away into the background. Situations and circumstances, they were still there, but his focus changed. Who he was Focusing and tuning his heart to changed. In verse 5, he calls out, which means to cry out to the Lord. And what did the Lord do? The Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord. Not an individual, not a government program. The Lord heard. And the Lord liberated him. The Lord responded. What a great God we are loved by. That we can cry out to him and he hears us and he responds. This is why we can trust in God. This is why we can rely on God. Because believe it or not, in this next month, things are going to get a little crazy and a little hectic. We're going to start filling our calendars with Christmas activities and Christmas things. And we have to be here and there and everywhere. And in the midst of all that, when we're feeling bombarded and overwhelmed, we turn to God and we give thanks because he is good. And we know we can trust him through it. In verse 6, the psalmist realized that the Lord was for him. He was not against him. And in that realization of that trusting in God, his fear began to subside. He realized that man has no power or authority over him. The apostle Paul would draw from this understanding when he wrote to the Roman believers. And the Roman believers were heavily persecuted as they lived in Rome. But Paul writes in Romans 8.31, If God is for me... Who can be against me? If God is for us, who can be against us? There is nothing more powerful, more good, more loving than our God. And he tells us in his word he is for us. It's from this understanding and the continual presence, Paul will go on to write that nothing, nothing can separate us 
from the love of Christ. And in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And why are we conquerors? Because God is our champion. He fought and he won the victory. This is why the psalmist is able to say in verse 8 and 9, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. Man would apply all humankind, no matter what title or role they have. Princess in our day would imply celebrities. It brings us to the question, whose word do we trust? Whose word do we rely upon? Whose word do we turn to to find relief for our soul? Do we turn to those on the TV screen? Or do we turn to the words found in the Holy Word of God? Verses 10 through 12, it speaks of being surrounded and engulfed, being in danger. But you notice, every time he says about being surrounded, he says, In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. It was not in his power. It was in the power of God. The word cut there would have been a very vivid image For the Jewish people, it means to circumcise. It means God completely removed it. So we give thanks to God for his protection and his provision. In the midst of constant attacks, in the midst of constant aggravation, the psalmist found refuge in the protection and the provision of his Lord. This is what verses 10 through 13 are speaking of. He was in the midst of feeling like he would die. He was surrounded. He was in the midst of feeling like he was just being constantly aggravated. And yet the Lord arose to protect and provide. That's why we're told in the book of Ephesians to giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, it says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you in Jesus. Give thanks in all circumstances. All circumstances. This is what the psalmist is slowly getting to and understanding that no matter what comes in life, no matter what worries, no matter what's bombarding and surrounding us, we can give thanks in all circumstances because God is good and God is faithful and his love endures forever. Points out that all these things will begin to fade away. Verse 12, it says... They went out like a fire among thorns. And I think in this upcoming holiday season, we can really understand this this imagery he's given us. It's this idea that even though he's being consumed by something, even though he's worrying about something, even though he's wrestling with these people and this thing going around him, when he called upon the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord he cut them off, all these things he was worried about, all these trials and tribulations and hardships and heartaches, they went up like a Christmas tree. You ever lit a Christmas tree? It goes up very quickly. That's what he's saying. He's saying they went out like a fire among thorns. They went up because my mind and heart is set upon the Lord. It didn't mean that those things were completely gone. It didn't mean he still didn't have to wrestle with those things. But now, compared to the glory of the Lord and the power of the name of the Lord and able to give thanks in the midst of the circumstances, his heart was consumed by his presence and no longer what he was going through. Psalmist is not denying hardships aren't going to come in life. The Bible never promises that. Jesus never promised that. Read John 16, In this world you will have trials or tribulations or hardships. Fear not, I have overcome them. 
what the psalmist is doing and what Jesus calls us to do through the Gospels is not focus on the hardships and the trials and the heartaches and the worries. I mean, we can pray about them. We can lift them up to God who has the power and ability to control those things and take care of the things. But instead, to focus on the goodness of God, focus on the mercy of God, the loving kindness of God, the faithfulness, faithfulness of the Lord which endures forever. Again, it reminds me of one of my favorite hymns. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. What does it say? And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. This is what the psalmist is pointing us to in this day. It's not that it's going to always be easy, always be great. But turn your eyes on Jesus, our champion. Finally, we give thanks to gospel eyes. To gospelize means to proclaim the good news. We are here to tell others that the, what the Lord has done in our life and what the Lord is now doing in our life. We are here to tell others, even when life is not good, God is good. Psalm reads in verse 17, I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. The word recount means to proclaim, to declare tell. That word deeds means the works of God, what God has been doing in this life. And who do we do this? We do this to fellow believers. Even when life isn't good, we proclaim God is. We're thankful we belong to God and he has this. And we tell it to the world. The world needs to hear that our God is actively involved in our life. He is taking care of all things and planning all things for good because he is good. So as we come into the Christmas season, even though I think Hobby Lobby's been doing it since like May or June, right? As we come into this Christmas season, we come in being called to have a heart and life of thanks, of praise and proclamation to tell the good deeds of what God has done, to tell why we are thankful, to tell why we praise despite our circumstances. Verse 1 and 29, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, and His steadfast love endures forever. Let our time as we move forward, this time of year and, and for, for all of our days, be a, a time to give thanks. God is good. Oh, no, that was, that was weak. God is good. All the time. All the time. If you're here today and you need a reason to be thankful, I have just a reason for you. John chapter 3, verse 16. For God, the God who is good, the God whose love endures forever, the God who is our champion and fought for us, our mighty warrior, so love the world. The world implies all people, of all nations, and all generations, that he gave his only son, and that whoever, that means anyone, everyone who believes in him, the word believes means to trust, to place your complete faith in him, should not perish but have eternal life. The word perish means to be separated, to die from God, the God of life and the giver of life. That's what the word perish is implying, that we will be separated from the life that God gives us. 
Maybe you're here today and you need to accept your first Christmas gift, and it is the gift of salvation found in Jesus Christ alone. God loves you. This is what the psalmist pointed to back in verse 22. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The cornerstone was a part of a structure that bore the weight for the bulk of the building. A lot of times it would be on the, this massive pillar in the center of the building. It bore it up. It held it up. And what the psalmist is pointing to is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ bore the weight of our sin on the cross through his body and his death and revealed his power over sin, death, and, and <laughs> over sin and death by his resurrection. And by his death and resurrection, he offers forgiveness for all people who would believe and trust in him alone. So the question this morning may be, have you accepted this gift? Are you forgiven? Are you saved? And if you're unsure or you know for sure you're not, the Bible makes it very easy. It begins by first admitting, not to me, but to God, that you're a sinner. There's things in your life you're not proud of. There's things in your life you know you shouldn't have done. You've sinned. You've fallen short of God's holiness. But in that admission... You come to a place of believing, okay, but I do believe, God, you sent your only son, Jesus, to die for my sins, and he did. And I believe he rose from the grave that I might be forgiven for my sins and be given eternal life. And when we believe that in the heart, the Bible says there's one more step, that we must confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And that word confess means we must make publicly known. So if you're here this morning and you're unsure, or maybe you know for certain you have yet to accept Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of eternal life. I'm going to be standing here, and I'm going to invite you to come. And all you have to say is, Pastor Mike, I want to be saved. We'll talk about it. We'll pray about it. We'll celebrate it. But maybe you've been like me, and just sometimes you're just so overwhelmed that it's hard to give thanks. And yet the Bible tells us, God tells us in his word, we still can because God is good. I'm going to ask Nick to come up and lead us. Bridget, you coming too? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and your mercy. Well, God, you are good and your love endures forever. So we give thanks to you. As we begin to step into this new season of the year, Father, help our hearts and our minds be focused on you and who you are. In the midst of the hardships that are going to come and the heartaches that are going to come and those times we're going to feel overwhelmed, Father, help us focus on you. You are good and steadfast. We praise you for that. Lord, if there's anyone here this morning, I praise you. You know everyone's heart here. You know who belongs to you and who doesn't. And Father, by the power of your Spirit, I pray that you would reveal that to those individuals who need to accept you as their Savior and Lord. We ask this time be a time where we not only just be a hearer of your word, but a doer and respond to what you've laid upon our hearts. And praise in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.